Hey folks, welcome back to the DC Three Cast. My name is Brian. Me as always are Zach and Vince, and we are here to talk about the comics that came out on uh, March eighth, twenty twenty two, starting with Detective Comics number ten fifty six, written by Mariko Tamaki and Amonke Nahuelpan. Um, Zach, you caught up on this because you had missed a couple of issues. So, um, what did you think of this issue, and sort of how do you feel that this book is going as it's moving towards its uh, conclusion? Not, not the book's conclusion. I'm sorry, the arc's conclusion. The arc, yeah, the Detective Comics is ending. Yeah, um, <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> I feel better about it. Um, I know we had all kind of reached a point where we were a little down on this arc towards the middle, um, but now it's finally picking up steam and doing more of the things that I think we wanted it to do earlier. Um, I just, I, st- I think bringing in Scarecrow is just the worst idea ever i don't i just don't understand um why that why this is now a sequel to fear state um to essentially do nothing yeah at least but, in, in this issue for sure it's just a reveal it's not really anything yeah. uh special okay. yeah right. i'm yeah. saving our asses because we were <laughs> talking, we'll talk about the second chapter uh <laughs> in, a, in a different episode but yeah yeah so, see yeah, that's the ticket <laughs> yeah, I um. Wait, what? Now I'm maybe I'm. Conf- Hold on a second, because <laughs> I don't. We're talking about ten fifty six. He, oh, okay. He, the okay. reveal was in the last issue. I'm sorry. Yes, issue. Yes, okay. yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yes. Okay. That's my what apologies. I was, yes. Yeah, okay. okay. I was like, wait, did we, I read we the didn't, right issue. <laughs> no, okay. no, okay, I'm okay. really. We didn't talk about the last issue on the show. Right. Yeah. That's why I'm confused. Okay. So I fucked that yeah. up. Sorry. Go yeah. Ahead, Zach. No. No. You're good. You're good. I just want to make sure. Yeah. Bringing in Scarecrow, I think, is a silly idea. I still think the backup is way more interesting to me, and is. All- <laughs> making me want to go read a bunch of old batman comics which is dumb um but i i still i think the arc is picking back up i think the art is um more to my taste so i'm overall pretty positive about the direction of the the arc right now yeah the one thing i i want to point out before i turn it over to vince is we had talked about how when Max Rayner was on the book, I forget now who the colorist was on those issues, but these issues are colored by Jordi Belair, and it's like a, an amazing difference in the quality of the coloring. Really? It's not been Bro- Belair the whole time? No, when Max Rayner was on the book, huh. there was a different colorist. Uh, maybe that was the week that you were off and Zach and I talked about it. Okay. Uh, hang on. You guys, Vince, you talk about it, and I'm going to look up who that was. Okay. Um, well, I, I, I guess I do think this is a little bit better, but I think part, part of it is also me just accepting what this is, I think, um, which I think in some ways is, is, can constitute just comfort food, right? Like, I think one of my complaints about it was that kind of 97% of what we're seeing is very expected. And in fact, we are learning things before characters in the comics even learn them, you know, mm-hmm. nothing here is, is really shocking or surprising. Even the reveal in this, like the reveal in this issue that the Harley imposter that's been hanging around Arkham tower is actually Harley Quinn. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's such a no shit thing because <laughs> she's on all the covers, <laughs> right? Like, right. 
why would it not be the real heart? You know what I mean? Right. Um, I also feel like that's a very fan servicey comfort food thing to do. Like, Hey, don't worry. This Harley, that wasn't really Harley. It's actually Harley. Now she's going to kick some ass. You know what I mean? Um, but it is funny how even like, I, I thought that the, they had to do some convincing to make me think that it was even Harley. That, that it was Harley. <laughs> like, I was like, okay, it, it probably is. But like the way that this character has been written, it would be a part of their, you know, it, it, it would be a part of their like mental illness to still think that they are Harley, you know? So <laughs> yes, like, sure. I, yeah. Just and that way no one can win. Really? Yeah. Uh, Luis Guerrero. Luis Guerrero was the person who did the colors when Max Rainer was on the book. Oh, okay. All right. Um, I think the other thing that this, this comic does, and it, it, it does this several times Again, I'm like pausing to think if I want to, if I'm saying something that's a spoiler, but I don't think so. Um, it has like in almost every scene when one member of the Bat family is in trouble, another member of the Bat family like comes out of nowhere to help out or save the day. Mm-hmm. And none of it is very surprising in a like, oh my God, what, you know, like. I never expected to see that character. No, you pretty much expect to see every character that shows up. It's just that they're coming in to kick a little ass and to make the fans of that character cheer a little bit, you know? Sure. There's nothing wrong with that. I I think this is perfectly good. Um, It's just, I've accepted what it is, which is not some like, not that any earth shattering comic event ever really shatters the earth. Right. Like that's, the total, sure, that's sure. a total sales pitch, but like it, this isn't even attempting that. And I think I'm just, I'm fine with that now. <laughs> I understand that. Yeah. I, I was, I, I was high on it at the beginning. I was low on it in the middle and and now I've settled somewhere as usual in between. Right. Um, so I would say that I, you know, probably fall somewhere in between you guys as always with this. But um, I will I, I will say that while, yes, there has been nothing really surprising that's happened so far, one of the things we've talked about a lot on this show is the joy of watching the Bat family interact together and specifically do that in combinations that don't always involve Bruce. And so I think that the weakest part of this crossover, no. Let me rephrase that. The weakest part of this issue in the crossover is when Bruce shows up just because Bruce is essentially a deus ex machina in this issue where he he is just he's back. He's good again. Uh, Here he is with his sidekick dick. Like it's 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 just, you know, it's just not really all that interesting of a version of like Bruce doesn't do anything here that particularly gets me excited to see what happens next with him, right? It's just, it's just. Well, when when has he ever? Right, no, he, he hasn't, right? But but what's been so nice about in, this in Warner Brothers, the Batman? In <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes, uh, patreoncom slash cc 3 Um, you know, I, I I think that just Bruce Bruce's total lack of, and I'm sure we will get a better explanation for why he was gone and why he came back and all those things in the future. 
I don't really care about that stuff like that. That's not really important to me. I was was investigating Batman Inc. Possibly, I guess. Um, (laughs) I I think that's what we are supposed to believe because he's wearing that costume. Yes. Um, But I don't even care about that. Like to me, it's just, um, you know, I'm always wanting Bruce to be more interesting than Bruce actually is. That's the, that's like the story of my Batman fandom, but I will say that the other members of the Bat family working together here, it's good stuff. I like what um, I like what this issue does in terms of gathering everybody at the tower. Finally, after all these issues, Zach, you're the one to keep track of the days. This is where we start with the story, correct? We are finally at the beginning of the story. Again. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's not it's insane. It's, it is insane, especially because we had we spoke about how we were hoping it wasn't going to do this. And yeah. here we are doing this. But, um, you know, it's uh, it feels like it's nice to finally have all the players sort of. In the place where they were supposed to be the whole time, you know, just so we can get so we can start moving on to the end game of this, of all of this. So I did like that. I do think MK's art here is really good. Uh, that, that, I mean, Crush and Lobo was probably my favorite stuff they've done so far. And I feel like I like this possibly even more than I like Crush and Lobo visually. So I'm really happy that, that they're the artists on this book right now. And I think that this definitely adds his work adds a certain gravitas to the, um, to the story that I don't think uh, Max Rainer's work did. Yeah, I, I I don't think I disagree. Uh, um, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, please go. Um, shit, I forgot what I was gonna say. Go go to go to Zach, and I'm gonna think about what I was gonna say. <laughs> well, I, I was gonna talk to Zach about the backup, which I know Vince is still not reading. Oh yeah, no, do that first, and then we may circle back if I remember what I was gonna say about this. Sure. So, uh, Zach, you I think were like me. And thrilled to death, we got a story set in no man's land. Yeah, yeah, and I'm not even like a no man's land guy. Like, same, I, like, same. I, yeah, I've never read it. Even I think it's like an interesting idea. Never read it. Um, but uh, I, I like. I could not have like cared less about this character. Um, you know, this boy that we followed through the course of this story. But I think it's really cool how we are tracing his story throughout Batman history. Mm -hmm. And they've made a compelling character out of him because of that, I think. Are are we at this point? I know you, I know I felt this way. I think you did too. Do you still think this is uh, Dr. Weir? Um... I don't think it is. Anymore. I don't think it is either. No, I don't. So I don't know if these two stories are actually going to overlap in any way or if that was just sort of what we were <laughs> presuming because of where the story is being contained, you know, in this. Yeah, comic. it is. It is kind of weird. I wonder. So this character is talking a lot about like the like Gotham's forgotten people or whatever, mm-hmm. which that was a plot point in the. Um, 
was it the Fear State Aftermath special or or was it it was it was oh, whatever that yeah. issue that David Lapham drew. Mm-hmm. Whatever yes. that issue was. I think wasn't that a plot point in that? That sounds very familiar, but you're asking me to remember a plot point yeah. from the back comic. It's you know <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I don't I wonder if this is something that is going to be more like in the book moving forward. Right, right. Um, I don't know. I mean, this this I think has become now my favorite thing Matthew Rosenberg has written at DC. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we talk every week about how good the Fernando Blanco art is, and that, that should come as a surprise to no one because Fernando Blanco is very good. But what I like about this is that the, this character, whoever it is that's the sort of main character of the story, the boy that, um, you know, ha- has been at the heart of this book, the things he's saying about Batman may be a little bit biased, but they're not wrong. Like I, I really like how the book is is um, is not making him out to be like a a a misguided young man. He has yeah. seen things from a perspective that maybe isn't totally true, but there's certainly more truth to his claims against Batman than probably most characters who have been in a similar situation in a Batman comic have had before. Yeah, and and I think like the way that. Bruce and, and Batman is presented here like he is almost kind of the villain in a way and as much as like he hasn't directly done anything to this kid but like the systems that he has set up and like his whole mission mm-hmm. has like worked actively against this kid the entire time yes with, with, with Azriel throwing him off a fucking bridge being the uh, yeah <laughs> the most yeah. Ex- egregious uh, bit of that from last issue right right um, but yeah, uh, this has been overall very, very good. And I'm going to do a Zach thing here and I'm going to implore Vince to go back and read these. He won't, oh, but no, I won't never. <clears throat> and then, and, and I'm even risking not being able to say that I've read 1056 issues of detective comics because I didn't read <laughs> the backups in some of them. I'm just to spite you. I'm willing to, to, I, to lose, but that. it's good. Wouldn't you want to read a good comic? I don't believe it is good. It is good. I promise you. It's it's at least better than the main story. I think. Yes, I agree with that. I've made up my mind. I already I already wasted my time reading the main story. Then so. <laughs> well, <laughs> the other thing else the the thing I was trying to think of that I was going to say was just this issue felt like a cruel prank played on me because I think in the last well the last episode that we talked about this book anyway which was, I guess, two episodes ago. I specifically said how nice it was that Bruce was nowhere near <laughs> yes. this story. Yes, you, you did say that. And uh, where's your God now, Moses? <laughs> there is no God. But yeah, um, I really do think the backup's pretty good, though, Vince. And I, I, I think you would enjoy it if you gave yourself the ability to enjoy things. Maybe. <laughs> I think I've kind of lost that. That's like a greater um that's like a really personal private episode of the Patreon I should do someday <laughs> about how I'm just a joyless husk moving through the world. Um how not even the Batman can like fully can I fully get on board with that. Um 
dis- despite it being all the things that I that I think I want out of a Batman movie. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> well, um, I was gonna say, speaking of another joyless husk, let's talk about Brian Bendis, but that's just too mean. Um, <laughs> oh, I think Brian Bendis is probably a pretty happy guy. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I, I was just teasing, but. Let's talk about Justice League versus the Legion of Superheroes, number two, written by Brian Bendis, illustrated by Scott Godlewski. Vinci, you were probably the most down on the first issue of this. I'm curious to see how you felt about the second issue of this. I think I liked it. Um, what was that about not knowing about joy anymore? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's exactly it. Like, there, there's still things in this where I'm going, like, damn it, Bendis, what are you doing? Like, okay, Let I want to see if I want to see if your example is the same as my example for that. Sure, it's probably not specifically the same, but I, I'm guessing we're on the same wavelength at least. The stuff from the beginning, um reintroducing Kalalor and going back into um, his history at where the new guardians chose him to be this new, the first new gold lantern, mm-hmm. all of that stuff was fucking wonderful. Why couldn't Bendis have just started with that? <laughs> like at the start of his uh, Legion of superheroes run, because I feel we were joking um, Zach said something about like, I think I'm going to do a bind. <laughs> I, I don't know if he said he was going to do a bind, but he was something about you could bind like the gold lantern saga, mm-hmm. but you'd be including all these issues where like gold, gold lantern was in like a panel going, I'm gold lantern. Right. <laughs> you know, like, and, and not knowing, gold. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't even have that much characterization. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> he was not even on the level of gold member. Um, <laughs> And I just, I think that's a massive misstep because as cool as I thought the, the design for the character was, it's not even like a mystery was even actively being seated. The only, the only mystery about gold lantern was we see him and we know nothing about him. Right. There were no little like droplets along the way to, to kind of intrigue us or anything like that. I really wish Bendis's entire run would have just led with this intro. Because I think it, it's wonderful. It has connections to the greater DCU in a way that I think is, you know, maybe it's superficial. Maybe it'll all turn out to be superficial in the end. But we see these images of Guy and John and the Guardians and the new Guardians. And there, there's, a, there's a sense that this is weaving into something greater mm-hmm. than just this story. And I think that with this character in particular, that is something that was missing from every one of their appearances in the prior Legion series. Right. Mm-hmm. So I love that stuff here. I loved how Bendis laid it out. I wish you would have done that from the start. Then the second half of the issue kind of hits and it's a lot of it is, is really still like characters standing around doing Bendis dialogue about, um, oh man uh, why is the justice league here in the 31st century and everyone kind of like doing doing their sticky jokey bendis dialogue and then it just becomes like any other one of these bendis uh, issues we've been reading for for a while right and um and i think 
that, but that gold lantern stuff is so good. It reminds me that like when Bendis is truly inspired to introduce a new concept or, or, or freshen something up, he can do it and it can still be very good, but it's when he settles into this routine where he falls in love with his dialogue too much. And he thinks every character is saying the most clever thing in the world the stories really lose steam for me. Um, before I stop talking, the one last little bit that I that I loved about the Gold Lantern stuff that I didn't mention was his reason for not wanting to be a Gold Lantern originally. Yes. Because what he knew about the Green Lanterns were that they were like a Cops. military. <laughs> right. Yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, he respectfully disagreed with that worldview. And then the Guardians pitch, you know, well, it could, you're the first one. It could be something else. Well, so that that's the part I didn't like, not because of the story, but <laughs> there's an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm where Larry <laughs> is talking about. I want to say it's, it's maybe the beloved Ant episode <laughs> where he's like, can't go on, won't go on can't go on he's, he's like he's like he's like trying to sound like he's really upset about something and he's yeah. like slightly changing what he's saying mm. and here the guardians say the green lantern was the best idea at the time for the time some of the time most of the time it's just yeah, like yeah 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 i mean fucking that, that bullshit is, writing and that's a, that is yeah, a dumb line a, it's some bendicism yeah it just took me know? so because i was with you vince like i loved the gold lantern stuff here and then i got that i'm like oh nope still same old bendis <laughs> like it just took me to totally out of the the zone that i was in with this and there's no reason for that like right if you say the Green Lantern Corps was the best idea at the time, it implies for the time, some of the time, most of the time. Like it just, right. it's, you don't need any of that. And, and there's a couple of other moments through this where Bendis just can't fucking help himself. Yeah. But I think that this issue is in the top three DC Bendis comics we've gotten so far. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with that. I think this is a really, really good issue. I think the art. By God, Lusky. God, Lusky's doing the best work of his career in this stuff. There's some really, really good stuff. Even if, even if certain characters, like particularly Black Adam, still look a little weird to me, uh, I, I just think this is this is a really good issue of like a good visual issue. I love the style. I love how Bendis shows the different heroes and their reactions to being in the 31st century. That's the time where Bendis's dialogue actually does like the thing he thinks he's always doing. Like Batman is saying, we have to get back to the 21st century, even though he's like so enamored by what the future is holding. There's people like discussing paradox, like, wait a minute, if the 21st century was destroyed, we wouldn't be here anymore. Like all that stuff is good dialogue for this situation. But Bendis writes like that all the time. So he finally has found a situation that matches his dialogue. Yeah. Um, I think all of this stuff is is pretty much really good until there are those little moments where he just can't help himself. That guardians one is particularly egregious because uh, I don't know about you guys in, in green lantern stories, you know, the, the guardians play, play an active role quite often. So it's not as special, but I always feel when you're in a non green lantern book and the guardians show up, it's a big deal, right? Mm-hmm. That's how I always think. And so when they show up in this, I'm thinking like, oh man, this is like a big DCU cosmic level 
thing that's happening here. And then you're right. He's like, they drop like wet turds into the dialogue to mess it all up. But so it, yeah. A quick interjection. We Well, yeah, it's he, your turn to talk, Zach. You you okay. take it away. I sp- I've spoken too much. The, these aren't necessarily like the guardian guardians, right? Like they're new guardians, right? They're new, like, right. Yeah. Yeah. Not to new be confused elders, with, with the new guardians, the new, the new guardians. I, yeah. I, I, Patreon, the, DC three cast Patreon. Yes. Or, or the series uh, spitting out of, was it invasion? We decided last week. <laughs> no millennium millennium. There it is. Millenni- yes. yes. Yeah. Um, but go ahead. Zach. Zach, go off Zach. So, yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I don't really have a lot more to say other than what you guys already said. Um, except that my complete mad hat idea now is that I want Bendis to do a Green Lantern book. <laughs> <laughs> when, when, when he was doing like the history of the Green Lantern stuff with, with the images of Guy and John and all that, I, I did think like, Oh, that's where this is going. If he's not, yeah. leaving, if he doesn't leave DC, that's what he's doing next. That's, I kind of want it, but and I kind of want it to be like, I want him to bring Gold Lantern with it, mm-hmm. and yeah, I mean, like, go ahead. No, I, I was going to say I, I was getting big um, Jason Aaron King Thor vibes from this. Like, yeah, you could tell a story set now and tell the Gold Lantern story in the same book. Yeah. Uh huh. That's all. Go ahead. Keep going. Well, yeah, yeah. So I, I want that, I think. And, I, you know, we've, we've talked at length about what do they do with Green Lantern next. Um, I, think, I think that's it. Give it to Bendis. <laughs> it, it, <laughs> it's maybe not the most inspired choice, but it is like a big name. And you, you slap on a good artist like Godlewski, for instance. Um, and uh, you've, got, you've got a book. And it, it, I think it would be at least a cast that I would be interested to see, to see Bendis work with. He also created Teen Lantern. So that's like yes. another good reason to do it. I, I have less to say about this book than I actually have to say about how I just want Bendis <laughs> to write <laughs> Green Lantern now. I mean, I have to say this. We're easily tricked. Yeah. Because <laughs> we were all pretty down on Bendis like, you know, a yeah. week ago. And that's now we're Bendis all like, trick. it is the Bendis. It's Bendis' trick. It's, it's the Joker's trick. trick. This is Bendis' yeah. trick. Yeah. Um, but I will say, like, I think that overall Bendis does a really good job of initially presenting a status quo that is fun. Where he falls apart for me usually is in the execution of that status quo. But that's exactly what happened with Jeffrey Thorne's Green Lantern. Also, he established a fun status quo and then just drove it into the ground. So I'm willing to give uh, Bendis a chance to do the same thing. Yeah, same. Although I've been higher on that Green Lantern book than you guys. And I have like in the the moments of talking with you all convinced myself that Bendis is going to take over Green Lantern next. <laughs> he thought he was going to do the crisis and he ended up doing two Green Lantern books probably. <laughs> yeah. Probably, yeah. The other oh, the other thing about that is like we still keep like getting mentions of Great Darkness in this like it, how, when, where, why, how is this going to cross over with Dark Crisis? I, it's, I'm so skeptical that it will. I know. 
I feel like it has to. Though. It's got. Like, they wouldn't. They wouldn't allow this to happen if it didn't. Right. Oh no! I think absolutely think they would allow it to happen. <laughs> like. It's so funny when you consider when you consider. Wait, if if I talk about something from Suicide Squad uh, number thirteen, would that is that that came out last week? We're good. Yeah, yeah. They they dropped something in there about Great Darkness too. Yep. And I, it's not. It is definitely more tied into Williamson than this is. But I think it would be funny if that was a third Great Darkness that had nothing to do with. <laughs> well, so see, I, I do think it is the same Great Darkness, but it's also like. It, this could be like this could be like the countdown to final crisis to final crisis that this is this is countdown yes. to part crisis you know what i mean yeah yes yes yes, yes. yep <laughs> i think that makes total oh, sense yeah. i don't know it hey. um it i do think it is like the thing that i've been most engaged with bendis doing since like the good the the first year of his superman run Mm-hmm. Or, or like the the first year of Wonder Comics, when you know when all of that stuff was good. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. We have uh, we, we we've been business filled. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it took us one halfway decent issue to make us business filled again. I, I mean, hey, I'm not going to go that far. I'm he's not. he's just such a charismatic person, and like. I don't know. Do either of you follow him on social media? Oh, absolutely not. I can't believe you'd ask me that. Well, <laughs> he, he, you know, he's just like I don't follow a, a single comics person on there. <laughs> <laughs> not even Joel Jones. No. Oh, I don't believe that for one second. <laughs> yeah, I don't either. I'm calling bullshit. <laughs> you guys, um, uh, we're we're incorrigible. Anyway, um, anything else to say about this uh, this issue? Mm, I don't think so. <clears throat> okay, well, let's quickly then continue on this Bendis train and talk about Naomi Season 2, number one, written by Brian Bendis and David F. Walker, with art by Jamal Campbell. Uh, so I have been reviewing the Naomi TV series for Multiversity. Because I asked other people to, and no one else. Thank would. you for so, your service. Yeah, so it, it fell to me. It's actually pretty good so far. It's it, it is it is a perfectly crumpulent CW series, uh, much like the Star Girl series. This is a nice piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Billy Madison gets me every time. But what I was going to say is, they cast a really great person in the lead role. And so that makes it just much it goes down a lot smoother because of how good the casting is on the show. Anyway, oh, that's good. my point was that I am now like confusing my Naomi season one knowledge with my Naomi TV season one knowledge. <laughs> so there were parts of this where I was like, that doesn't track. But then I realized I'm just thinking about the TV show. But um, my main takeaway from this and this is not so much about what happens in this issue, but rather just a general uh, point about the character. I fear that because of this format, and I, let me back up one second. I'm a huge Hellboy fan. I love the miniseries as an ongoing series format, like Hellboy for years and BPRD for years were just an ongoing series of 
of short miniseries. So you might only get, you know, eight or nine issues of BPRD in a year, but that would be two or three story arcs. And I always really enjoyed the way that was put together. And I love that. The problem is when Naomi is that way, but the rest of the DC universe is ongoing. It seems to me like Naomi's only going to have interesting things happen once a year in these sort of in like the spotlight miniseries and the rest of the time DC is going to keep using her because she has her own TV show. She's one of the most um, important new characters of the last five or so years in terms of, you know, she's on the Justice League, et cetera, et cetera. But so whenever she's not in her solo title, we're just going to be left with Naomi not being able to do anything really all that interesting because we're saving the interesting stuff for the miniseries. And so unlike Hellboy, where everything kind of runs in that same cadence, the cadence of this comic is going to make the character never be able to be as impactful as maybe she should be. Does that make sense? There was interesting stuff in this. <laughs> I'm not saying there was. I'm, I, I'm, talk, I'm talking more about just the potential for interesting. I guess. Yeah, I, I know. I, I know what you mean. And your point is is correct because every other time we've seen her yeah she's played a role in the justice league or where else did she pop up was she in young justice for a second i don't remember uh she may have been yeah she was she was in sure surely i think she was but her thing was always like hey i'm i'm new here i have no idea what's going on and then that like the we've commented about how every time she's popped up in justice league, she's had a line about I'm new around here. Yep. So, but doesn't actually like really do anything. And maybe that's changed. I haven't read the last couple issues of justice league. Cause I'm just so out on it, but well, you're back in actually because you're been as pilled back. No, I'm not. Um, <laughs> and I'm definitely not Kadransky pilled and, and that oh, there's true. a lot of we, yard you, we the, could never No. No, you couldn't. And I now that I mentioned that, though, I think the Kadransky stuff is all Naomi stuff. So I think she probably is doing something over in that book now. But I won't know because I won't read it. <laughs> um, but no, your point is well taken, Brian. I think that makes sense. <clears throat> I, I, I say I say that to preface that, you know, while there is a lot of great Jamal Campbell art, in this issue and there is certainly Jamal Campbell's great this because there's also not been a solo Naomi story in over a year or I guess it's been about a year I honestly I could not tell you for all the money in the world when the last issue of Naomi came out it has to be at least a year though it was over a year ago yeah but like because of that half this issue is spent reminding us who Naomi is which is kind of silly because Naomi's in the Justice League and Naomi's a TV show and all that. So you get the worst of both worlds. This isn't really this. This is the start of a new story, but we don't get a lot of it because we have to remind people of the thing that they already know, but we can't presume they know because it's been over a year. What'd you mm-hmm. guys think? <laughs> Zach, you, you go first. I, I spoke too much last time. No, you didn't. Um, I did the art in this is really good <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. uh great art um i don't even I, the stories slid right off of my smooth brain 
Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know if I could tell you. I, I think the most interesting part about this, I don't want to be totally flippant. The, the most interesting angle about this is like Naomi dealing with her family in the aftermath of this, because I think at the end of the last arc, you would have maybe thought that they would be in a like really good place now that all of the secrets were out. Mm-hmm. But now th- like, it's not that it's like the opposite they they have been driven further apart and i think that's interesting um it is interesting but it's also very heavy-handed it is yeah it is a little heavy-handed yeah but you're right it's the most interesting thing this issue has going (laughs) yeah um what what is naomi's power (laughs) Um, she can she like, she has like energy blasts, uh, and x ray vision again. Some of this is going off the TV show now. She can, <laughs> she can have some x ray vision stuff happen. I think she, I'm pretty sure she can fly. Yeah, I think that's right. Her power is basically that she's like mini Superman. Yeah, okay, okay, I'll buy that. Here's the thing it doesn't even really matter what her power is, and that's almost kind of like the that almost feels to like it's the point of the series is um, look, it doesn't matter what she does. <laughs> She's, you know what I mean? Cause the opening of this issue is her in therapy. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, that is fascinating, but it, it did make me forget what her power actually was. And I'm reading this and I'm going like, they're not even, they're not telling us what it is. <laughs> so anyone who's picking this up for the first time, like you probably shouldn't pick up season two first, but you know, people will. Right. Um, so I just thought that was interesting because I'm like, I can't for the life of me remember what her actual like power set is supposed to be. Um, th- the other thing I'll say is that the art is gorgeous. Like Jamal Campbell's a, a quite the artist, but the structure of this issue is so bizarre to me. And if, if somebody is picking this up for the first time based on like seeing the TV show or whatever, I don't know that they're going to come back because like basically nothing happens in this issue and there's no better evidence than when Naomi goes out, out what like uh, leaves dinner after dinner to go find D who never showed up. Mm-hmm. It's like what follows is like four or five pages of her just going to a place and not finding him. <laughs> yes. There's like, like she goes to the garage Oh, he's not there. Then it shows her opening up a, his house door or whatever. However she gets in, he's not there. It's just going from like room to room and not finding him, but not with like an air of suspense, really. Like it's not, it's not, it's not done in any way that like, there's no like um, ratcheting of the tension. It's just her going to another place and ha- finding the room empty, you know? Right. And I'm just thinking like, this is the, and I know David Walker's co-writing this, but I blame like anything bad that I have to say about the Naomi comics. I blame on Bendis (laughs) on Bendis because it's all Bendis type stuff. You know, Mm -hmm. anytime I think I have a problem with one of these comics, I, it's something that I have pinned on Bendis in the past (laughs) and feel comfortable pinning on him again. That's just, that seems to me like such a waste of, uh, storytelling space or economy, 
you know, because mm-hmm. I, 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 I don't think it's there to ratchet the tension up of where can this guy be? Just show just you could do that all in one page. Every panel could be a smaller panel of her not finding him somewhere. Right. But instead, it's over the course of like four pages or maybe even five. <laughs> it's. um, Oh, it, bu- it bugs me when you can just see them playing for time in, in some of these series. And I think Bendis is one of the worst offenders of that. I, I kind of feel like um, Bendis has maybe this is inaccurate. Maybe this isn't fair. But it feels to me that Bendis has gotten so just used to and adept at writing for trade that he like doesn't even think about how issues end anymore. No. Yeah. That's a really good point, Zach. Well said. Um, Because yeah. I noticed that in both like this issue and in, in Justice League Legion, I, I just got this impression that the issues just kind of end. Um, yeah. So... Yeah. No, I, I think I think you're onto something there. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, you are as well. I, which which is preferable, uh, Bendis just ending an issue because he wrote twenty pages, or the Dan Jurgens method of having a final page twist and then having the next issue be the same final page twist. <laughs> I think Ben is just ending an issue. I think. I think you're probably right. Any disagreements there, Zach? No. (laughs) No. I'm glad we're all in agreement on something here. Uh, No, I I think overall we have had, uh, we've been sort of on the same page tonight which I don't know if it will continue as we go through the last two books of the week, which we'll do right after this. Hello, everybody. My name is Mike. And I'm Greg. And together we are Robots from Tomorrow, a twice-weekly podcast appearing at multiversitycomics.com. Each week we take some time to check out books and shelves on Wednesday that are worth your attention. And each month we dissect the previous catalog. We also have long-form discussions about books we've enjoyed, like Dan Clow's Ghost World and Jack Kirby and Mike Royer's Commanding. And if that's not enough, we also do creator interviews. Some of the talks you'll find in our archives feature Mike Mignola, Leila Del Duca, Sean Martinbro, Emma Beebe, and Greg Rucka. So that's a lot of content for everybody. Please subscribe to Robots from Tomorrow and iTunes or Stitcher so you never miss a thing. Robots from Tomorrow has hours of comic-focused entertainment week in and week out. And now, back to your show. Hey folks, right now we're going to drop in the review we did last week before the issue was delayed of Trial of the Amazons uh, right here. And so you're going to hear that and then we're going to come back and talk about the last two books after that. But I wanted to give some space between the first issue of Trial of the Amazons and the second issue which we're going to talk about in a few minutes. So enjoy our chat from last week. Well, let's jump over to Trial of the Amazons, number one, written by Deep Breath, Stephanie Williams, Vita Ayala, Joel Jones, Michael W. Conrad, and Becky Cloonan, and illustrated by Laura Braga, Skylar Patridge, Joel Jones, and Elena Casagrande. Uh, what a shitty first issue to an event, guys. <laughs> um, I, I didn't hate it. It just was a lot of talking. It's a bad first issue. I uh, just I I want you to do me a favor, Zach. 
just open up the PDF and look at the first page of actual comics. So skip past the different covers and just look at the first page of actual comic for a second. Okay, hold on. Vincey, do the same thing. I, I mean, what are you trying to prove to me? I, I, I'm just, we're, we're, we're playing along here. We're, we're, we're okay, being, I'm, I'm looking okay. at it. I'm looking okay. at it. This jumps, the first thing you read is, I believe Penelope's vision of an island burning is more than a forewarning than anything else, especially with Princess Diana now back. You, if, if this is a first issue of a crossover, if you pick this up and you tried to make sense of this first page, not having read uh, Nubia and the Amazons. Well, my my no... counter to that is, why would you do that? Well, because people do that all the time. Like, I look, and I understand. I, I'm not saying that you had to be read. Like, I think if you're reading the regular Wonder Woman book and you think, oh, there's an event coming up, let me read this. If you're not reading one specific book that ties into it, you would have one specific miniseries built around a character that's been more or less gone for 30 years. You're going to have no clue what to do here. I don't I don't think that's true at all, because like, I think if you're reading the main Wonder Woman book and you know that Wonder Woman is is died and has come back, you can you can intuit enough uh, to about like Penelope. It doesn't matter who Penelope is. There's a vision that the island is going to burn. And it's just this just throws you so far into the middle of a story and not I, even I would rather either. them do that than spend 10 pages catching you up on everything that's been going on. There is obviously sort of a happy kind of do that. Um, yeah. But I, I like the way they do it here better than like a version of my in my mind that is just like. Just a redux of like the three series that this is building I, off. Of. I don't I, I'm not saying that we need what you just described was I agree with you. But I think there's a way to take everything that happens in this issue and organize it in a way that makes way more sense than what we get here. I found this to be a very unenjoyable issue to read for a lot of reasons. See, I, I, I found it more enjoyable than any of the three series other than, other than maybe wonder girl, which I have, what I've read, I've mostly liked, but I found this more enjoyable than any of the three series it's building from. I wish the entire new Wonder Woman post death metal status quo would have started with this book. I wish I would not have even read any of the other stuff, actually. <laughs> well, like I said, I don't think that the stuff that happens in this is bad. I actually like a lot of the like, if I were to read a Wikipedia article on this issue, I would enjoy that Wikipedia article. I just don't enjoy this issue. This is a Wikipedia article. It's a all, worse Wikipedia all article. Comics are, all Cape comics are Wikipedia articles. Correct. They're Wikia uh, fandom articles, to be yeah. specific. Every yeah. single one. Um, I just think it's funny to say that after you just uh, talked about Justice League Incarnate and you gave a hypothetical while we were talking about what if you weren't plugged into the DCU and you were just picking this up? Maybe you'd enjoy it more. <laughs> and I, and <laughs> my counter to that would be, how could you possibly enjoy the Williamson meta narrative while not being plugged into DC Comics? Well, no, what, what I meant by that is not that you're not plugged into DC Comics, is that you're not looking ahead and reading tea leaves and all that okay, shit that we yeah, do. Right. That's I what I meant. Yes, okay. I still don't think you could. Um, um, no, you're Brian, you're right insofar as I think you're both right because I think Zach is right. Like if you take the, if you let this, this, these first couple pages of light catch up, um, wash over your smooth brain, 
and just take it all for for fact like just oh okay uh, penelope had a bit you know if you're willing to just do that yeah there's this is a starting point you can have no problems with it brian you're right if you sit and think about well like am i missing something here then yeah then it's not a very effective way to start this uh event series I, I think you I think you both are right. And I think it's up to the reader. Like I am a reader who can just uncritically let um, things that characters say wash over my brain. And I don't have to like, now, when did that happen? What did, am I missing? You know, I, I don't do that really. Um, but Brian, you're right. That is a weird place for this issue to. It's a weird thing for that to be the very first line you read. Yeah, so here, he, uh, you know, I, I I wanted to sort of make that point to start, but I want to I want to double back to my actual thoughts on this on this issue and why I think this is a bad comic. I think this is a bad comic because it takes a very interesting idea and it makes it boring. Like the idea of there being these trials to determine both a new like guardian of the gate and also a new queen is inherently a fun and interesting. Wonder Woman story, especially because, as I think we all agree, that there are a lot of problems with the three books that led into this. Uh, uh, quite a few problems, actually. Well, and you were the one who liked those more than either of us. Not that, uh, not that, you, not that you were like effusive in your praise, but I liked you, I liked Wonder Girl better than you guys did. Yes, but you also said about like the general status quo across the books that it's it's been more interesting than you found Wonder Woman in. in quite a while oh and... I, I will agree with that but again I, I i'll say the same thing i said about this issue i think the wikipedia article about wonder woman is interesting right now the comics mm. aren't okay. i think some of the some of the ideas are interesting and so you know i like the fact that there's all these new characters and repurposing of old characters and i think all of this is really could make for a very interesting story but this issue sucks all the fun out of all of that I don't think I agree with that. And I, I think that it's actually, I think a lot of the interactions here are pretty interesting between like the three clans and like the history and the way I I think the way it's all presented is very interesting. Um, I just, I can't quite put my finger on what I didn't love about this issue. Like I'm going to compare it. I'm going to go ahead and compare it to the other like one shot issue leading into a crossover that we're going to talk about this week, which is the war of Earth three, which I have not been keeping up with suicide squad book at suicide squad at all, but there are so many like bonkers ideas and it just throws you in. And it's like so big and dumb and fun that I enjoyed that issue better than this one. Even though I technically think that this is the better issue <laughs> technically. Mm-hmm like from a craft perspective, from a storytelling perspective, I think it's better than the, the war for three, but I kind of came away enjoying war for three more. We'll get to that in a minute. Let's let, let's let well, that. Uh, well, I, I, I have to compare them a little bit. I, I understand that I do. And, and I, I, I more or less agree with what you said with some, with some exceptions to that. Um, but Vince, what did you think of this issue? I, as usual, <laughs> I fall somewhere between you two. Um, 
I did not hate it. I did not think it was a bad issue. I, like I said, if the entire wonder book status quo across the board started here, I think that would be so great. Like the Nubia was a book with some good ideas that was snail's pace slow uh, leading up to this wonder girl felt like really decompressed lots of promise under delivered and wonder woman has just been baffling to me for the most part in in what it's attempting to do and how the how that book even connects to this i i don't know you know like it does right it doesn't seem like it does so if it all would have started here and you would have gotten the, the little bits and pieces and all the same writers who I think are doing, for the most part, better work crystallizing things in this issue than they did in their individual works. Uh, then we'd be cooking with gas. But, you know, my excitement for all of this is kind of muted by not being all that excited about what led up to it. Um, I'm willing to give it a chance, but, you know, it's starting from a lower rung than than it would have if this were the first thing coming out of death metal. Um, I also don't think the stuff that came before really adds to this idea of the trial of the Amazons, you know, like, no, it doesn't at all. You're right about that. No. Um, I think maybe the Nubia stuff does the most. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yep. Um, So, but, you know, so I'm, I'm a little more on Zach's side in that, like, I don't think this is a, bad i don't think this is a bad comic because i think i think it 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 throws lots of different elements in there in a way that does generate in like i i care more about what each individual character is up to in this book than i did in their own individual books just to kind of repeat myself i I agree with that too i i will agree with that i think there's a lot of intrigue here again i to me it's just the way it's presented that that's my big bugaboo about this book it's just i think it's presented in crazy ways i i get that and it it is a lot of talking it's a lot of standing around talking and if it's about if if it's meant to be about the trial of the amazons the trial hasn't begun yet and it's all preamble talking and that it bugs me whenever comics do that this is ten Um, of swords basically (laughs) the point i was just going i'm glad you said that but i was just going to say this is if all of 10 of swords before the event was condensed into one issue instead of how many issues led up to them actually going and doing that. Right. Like how much preamble was there in, in 10 of swords before they actually got to the, it was like close to half of the book, half the crossover. Yeah. Was preamble. Yeah. Yeah. And so if, if, if all of that is handled in just this one issue, then great. Like, but it sort of isn't because we had an entire status quo to lead up to this as well. You're yes, you're right, and that that only strengthens my point that if this were the only oh, thing, I had, and that's a yeah. great point, I agree. If this, if if the Wonder Woman status quo started with these three tribes converging on Themyscira, mm-hmm. I am I am all in, yeah. absolutely. Or or if like all of the things that had been happening in Wonder Woman. Nubia and Wonder Girl had just been happening in Wonder Woman, maybe. Sure. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. You know, right, right. Instead of, yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Or, or even, I'm going to take it even further. 
if we just hadn't had a Wonder Woman book and had just had Wonder Girl oh, and Nubia yeah. stories, if like okay. Wonder Woman had like just really stayed gone. If her arrival happened in this, yes, in this issue instead of the few places that it's happened already. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, like what if Wonder Woman came out of the Doomgate thing and that was like <laughs> adding to the mystery of that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that'd be really interesting, actually. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't I I'm being like armchair comic writer now, <laughs> which is a shitty yeah. thing to do. Like these people are professionals, but right. I, but, they're, I, I, but, they're, but but they're also bound by DC's correct. like corporate strategy and like we have to have a certain number of books. We have to have certain books going. And, we and, have to and, have a Wonder Woman book. What are we going to yeah. do with it? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think it's necessarily unfair to think of like better ways the story could have been presented separated from editorial constraints. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I will also say that the ending of the issue is very intriguing. Yes. Um, with Hippolyta's apparent death. Um. And the romance with with Philippus and and Hippolyta and how that kind of rolls into this is uh, very interesting too. Um, I think, but along those same lines, it's very funny to think like, guys, what happened at DC that like Wonder Woman was gone for a while. Bendis had to use Hippolyta on Justice League for a couple arcs where like, like what, what was Hippolyta doing there? Nothing like that. That was not meant to happen that way. Was it? I think so, there was supposed to be more done with her. I think something happened and cause that's very weird. <laughs> and all of also, a sudden she comes back and she's killed. Yeah. Like, oh. first of all, I, I, I think I, I have no evidence of this whatsoever. This is just my gut when reading that is that this is staged to to like suss out a traitor essentially in the midst. Mm. Um so I don't, don't know, think Apollo is really dead. No, I just get the, I I don't know why I got as soon as I read that I was like oh she's not really dead. Uh, I, yeah, think, I, I, I think this totally is the wrong. Alfred of the Wonder Woman books. Oh really? That's interesting. Okay. I'm not saying that I like my idea. I would actually be pretty annoyed if that if that was true, but it's just for whatever reason that is how I felt about it since it uh since I saw it the first time. I just something is still I wish we could give Scott Snyder even more of a truth serum than he offers up on his own <laughs> to, to talk to him about what happened with the ending of death metal and Wonder Woman meeting that fake Wonder Woman mm-hmm. that I still think was clearly supposed to be like the Gen 1 Wonder Woman. Oh, yeah. Yes. And where I mean, that you, was that had to still be like a 5G vestige. Yes. That was that they couldn't scrub out. That they couldn't change. I mean, wouldn't it be wild if that ties into the Williamson stuff, though, with the like Earth, the multiverse two universes? Yeah, yeah. What if what if we still get five G from multiverse (laughs) two? What if Yoda was six feet tall? <clears throat> no, you're right. Yeah, yeah. I just, I just, I wish we knew. Like, that is like of all of the tell-all that we could get from DC in the last like 15 years. 
the 5G stuff is by far the juiciest. I want to know is. what I want to know what actually survived, what got canned, like specific because we we have some ideas about that, and I think they're pretty. Morrison's well been been smelling some been of that a little bit. Yeah. I, I just got to know, because when, when I read that line in the, in the last issue of Death Metal, where that Diana was like, I chose the form that would be most palatable to you. I thought that that smells like horseshit. Like that is such a this was supposed to be something else. I chose the form that was most palatable to you. So I just made myself look like you like that is not what this was supposed to be. Um and I feel like we are still feeling the effects of that with how slapdash the, the Wonder Woman book has felt at times mm-hmm. and, and how odd the uses, usage of Hippolyta has been. Um, but that's a, that's a totally other, that's outside this book. So yeah, this was, I, I'm, I'll say this. I'm, much more interested in where this is going than anything with the war for earth three, even though I agree with Zach's premise that, uh, that, that book is a, that book is a more fun and palatable way to get into an event, mm-hmm. um, which we are just about to talk about. Yeah. Uh, we should probably save this for off air, but are we going to be keeping up with the child of the Amazon's weekly, the way we do tech? I kind of want to. It's very short. It's only yeah. a month, right? Or a little bit more than a month? Yeah. It's Five like five weeks, maybe. I think it's like six or seven issues total. Okay. All right. Let's do it. Okay. Let's yeah. do it so we don't have to do a crisis <laughs> management later about it. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. yeah there you go. All right. We're going to do things slightly out of order here, boys, because we just dropped in the bit of Trial of the Amazon. So I'm sorry, Vince, for going out of alphabetical order. No, I guess we still are in alphabetical order. Um, God damn. Yeah, I, I was wrong. I'm, I'm correct here. Okay. But we're going to try the Amazons first and then Nubia and the Amazons number six, written by Stephanie Williams and Vida Ayala, illustrated by Aletha Martinez. Uh, Zach, what did you think of this second chapter of uh, Trial of the Amazons? Mm-hmm. I'm of several minds about it. Okay. So, so like, first thing. It's so weird to me that this is the last issue of Nubia. Yes. <laughs> yes. It is a horrible conclusion to the miniseries. <laughs> it makes no sense. Um, it, like in any way. <laughs> um, but it's also not a great issue because like the first 10 pages or so are taken up by the like funeral for Hippolyta. So like it kills all the momentum of the story. I think the trial still doesn't start. No, it doesn't. And like, I didn't, I didn't, I think I missed like issues, maybe like four and five of the series. But that um, means nothing in this issue. Sure. Um, well, this, it, is not, this is not an issue of Nubia and the Amazons. This is an yeah. issue of, of Trial of the, of the Amazons and has nothing to do with what was happening in that book, more or less. Sure, sure. So I guess, yeah, I guess it doesn't matter. It, it's just like a very weird reading experience. I can't like imagine how this is going to read in trade. 
it's, well, the tr- the trade will just be end at issue five. You think? Uh, it either it'll end at issue five, and then there will be the trial of the Amazons trade, or it will just be in both. Which I I have se- I've seen I've seen publishers do both. I know, but like, can you imagine how weird it would be to for this to be the last issue of the trade? Yeah. They don't care. DC doesn't care. <laughs> I mean, to be honest with you, I, I think the more the more possible out, the more probable outcome rather would be that the only place Nubia and the Amazons gets collected is in a tra- is in a collection that involves Trial of the Amazons mm. that we're never mm-hmm. going to see a Nubia and the Amazons trade like a which, deluxe hardcover that has yes exactly that like will 12 have issues of something in it. Uh, I, I'm I'm thinking almost like an omnibus that has the entire like that has what the Wonder Girl miniseries that has this that has um, everything after Diana came back from the dead of Wonder Woman like just like that whole mm-hmm. thing because I I really can't imagine it being collected otherwise it's a very very strange yeah. I I am thing. sure it will be collected on its own I think it will be weird I wouldn't be surprised if it is like some kind of like road to war of the Amazon trial of the Amazons or something like that, you know, mm. um, but it's, it's almost like a fly by the seat of your pants, Dawn of X thing. Mm-hmm. Like one that, what one that seemingly wasn't planned for. <laughs> right. Right. But ended up happening anyway. Yeah. This is a bizarre issue. For that reason, Zach. Um, yeah. <clears throat> I will also say that this is not. I think this is like mid Aletha Martinez art. This is not the best work I've seen from Martinez. And I'll say that this trial of the Amazons, which I was very much ready to praise because it's going to be a like relatively short crossover like DC's been doing lately and how, how we've been we've been fans of those crossovers not taking six months but taking a month and a half so much of what happens in this issue is kind of a retread from the first issue and so it's still going to seem like a crossover that's too long even though it's not actually too long and that's a real bummer Vince what did you think of this I liked it considerably more than you guys I think and I'm shocked I'm shocked that I did, but it's got a few things going for it that are Vince nip, but maybe we don't talk about too much. Um, First of all, you guys are right. Like from a publishing slash collecting perspective, this thing is a fucking mess. Like it's never going to make sense. And that's, that's great for somebody like me who reads everything because right. Right. Cause I actually, I actually love and spoilers for the way that the war for earth three is going, but I love it there too. I love the way this is done because it takes now. I, I like a couple of those, like the flash and the teen Titans Academy over there considerably more than I liked like many of these books, any of these books on their own. Are you are you talking about pre crossover? Yeah, pre okay. right. Okay, that's what sure. I mean. Like yeah, pre okay. pre pre crossover, I liked a lot of those books more. Sure, but I had no interest in Suicide Squad, 
um, at all. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, here, you guys know, I haven't really been enjoying any of these books on their own with the exception of like wonder girl for the art, but together weaving this story that's like a cross of, you know, a relatively small crossover. I love that. I I think it's a way to make all of these books more interesting than they were on their own. And that's happening here. And that's happening in that other crossover too. As somebody who tries to read everything and tries to know what's going on with everything at all, at all times, that's, this is preferable to me than these uh, comics that were not telling very interesting stories on their own. I think now I actually don't disagree with a, a lot of what you guys said about this issue's kind of structured weird. Some of it is a recap. The funeral takes up a lot of the page space. All of that is true. But for some reason in this setting where I'm, I'm saying, okay, this is like a, a very workmanlike approach. Like if you think about like wonder girl on its own, what it was supposed to be was like a creator driven work of art that was supposed to be written and drawn by the same creator, at least for a few issues, you know, but it resulted in a, in a story that I just, I don't know, didn't really go for very much, even though it looked good. Knowing that this is a more workmanlike, like very definitely less artistic in the way like creator own books are uh, artist driven, you know, I can really appreciate this. And that even goes down to the way it's structured, like the funeral being a huge part of this. I love in like DC comics past when there was a funeral issue, you know, Mm -hmm. some character died. They followed it up with a funeral issue that took up like half or, or three quarters of the issue, let's say. And then at the end, they would tack something on that moves the story. Right. What you get then is a bunch of characters standing around reflecting on the dying person reflecting on their role in whatever corner of the DCU you're, you're dealing with where that character died. And I love the patience of that. Like so few comics these days take the time to do stuff like that. Now you can definitely argue and it's valid that do we really want to stop and take time to do that in the middle of a big crossover? Maybe not. Like I, I definitely get Zach's criticism on that. But I just love in 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 a vacuum. I love a funeral issue. I I think there's it's like the X Men uh, baseball issues as well. You know, they don't do those anymore. Like comics in general don't do those anymore. And I don't literally mean like baseball, but they don't. You know, comics do not take the time to do an issue where the characters are milling about, and you're just spending time with them as characters. You're a big fan of Identity Crisis. We know. <laughs> no but i love i love when characters come to get like i like I, I do love the stuff about you know we're seeing the different tribes and what they offer at this funeral you now know I, you're the kind of guy who laughs at a funeral you <laughs> can't understand what i mean you soon will you soon will <laughs> <laughs> my god ah <sighs> 
Hey, Aquaman yeah. is mentioned in that song. Therefore, it, DC, it is DC Comics canon. He does also, summon fish. Also, to the... also, he do, also, it's on the Digimon soundtrack. So It is, yeah. <laughs> of course how, it is. How many times are we going to rehash this? How many songs are on the fucking soundtrack, though? We've mentioned that on the show before. I remember the impression that I get being on that soundtrack. It is, yeah. Uh, there was basically if you if you were wearing a pork pie hat in the nineties, you were on the Digimon <laughs> zoot suit riot on the Digimon soundtrack. It's got to uh, be. It's got to be. Um, <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> um, oh, it's always good. Yeah, uh, you derailed being funny. You derailed me at the perfect time because I've said pretty much all I want to say. I just, you know, this isn't like high art and it's not blowing me away but i just enjoy i enjoy spending time with these characters and i think the writers are doing a lot better job um smashing the action figures together in this to have them do stuff together and interact with one another than they were playing with the toys on their own i think i think um it's clear that this is a talented writer's room that has a better idea of how these characters are functioning as a cohesive society, basically, than they did with what to do with them before they got to this point. <laughs> yes. Um, and so I, like, I got to hand it to them because I was down on all of these series in one way or another up until now. And again, well, it's not blowing the doors off with like, incredible surprises and intrigue it's just a nice thing to read and i'm looking forward to reading it every week now um and that's more than what i could say for these stories before this started so i'm 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 pretty pleased with this also i really like cassie sandsmark's role in this how she speaks up and says look i'm i'm gonna I'm going to investigate this while you guys do your trial thing. And it works because she kind of, yes, she is like a wonder girl character, but she kind of doesn't really fit with the rest of the characters on the Island, like narratively, Mm -hmm. you know? So like that role for her is just really nice from like an outsider's perspective. I'm I'm glad you brought that up because I honestly thought to borrow um, some youth parlance, I thought, uh, Cass was being pretty sus in this in this issue because like she there apropos of nothing she's like I don't even think the murderer would be in the competition and they're all like oh yeah and then she's like I'm gonna investigate the murder and it's like Cassie what what are you doing that's interesting I I hadn't really really thought of that but Zach you're right about that that would be some pretty uh some some pretty juicy stuff if she was the one that murdered uh, uh Hippolyta yeah it it just it just struck me as like her dialogue felt very stilted in the issue it it, something about it came off as kind of unnatural Mm. um you're right i i I read that as like old school dc dialogue like i've been reading a lot of um i've been reading a lot of silver age uh superman lately and supergirl mm -hmm. and every character at all times has to make sure that 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 you understand like what they are doing, even though you can see it on the page. Mm -hmm. And so like, um, when, when, when Superman is Clark, 
he'll be talking to Lois about something. And then there'll be a thought bubble saying, and Lois doesn't know this because I, right, right. <laughs> blah, 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 yes. you know, and it just, again, just like with the idea of a funeral issue, Cassie's dialogue, you're correct, Zach, uh, did feel stilted, but it felt stilted in the way that like classic comics would always have to be like, this character needs to explain their role in a way that the reader understands, but does not sound like natural speaking at all. <laughs> I'm not saying that's good. I'm just saying that's what it came across as sure. to me. Mm-hmm. But you, but you might be onto some. You might be thinking of it on a level that that I didn't even consider. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a, I think that's an actually an excellent observation, Zach. And I would now now my antennae are going to be up for Cassie the rest of this event. Oh, like, <laughs> like, easy there, Sailor. <laughs> Joelle Jones didn't draw her, and I'm not you, so that's not a that's not a uh, that's not an issue here. Don't try to turn this around on me. <laughs> no, what I mean is that like I'm going to be suspicious of her, and from now on, you know, that's a that's a really good point there, Zach. I like that. Mm-hmm. I, I have to say, I, I I I do like. I said this about the the last issue too. I like the overall story here a whole lot more than I like this individual issue. I think the things that are moved forward in this issue are interesting, but I think that so much time is wasted on. And and I agree with you, Vince. I think that the classic funeral issue is a, is a cool thing in comics. However, this doesn't really do all the good stuff. Those funeral issues do. This gives us a very like truncated version of that stuff. If they went all in on it and gave us a really meaty, um, you know, in-depth discussion of who Hippolyta was to these different characters, and we saw her as a mother and a lover mm, and some highlights. From, yeah, you're right. You're like right. That, yep. that to me is a meaty funeral issue. This is like five or six pages of I keep using the word mid, but like it's not really emotional. It's not really brief. It's not brief enough to be like an overview it's not emotional enough to be meaty so all you're left with is this kind of middle ground of like yeah that was apollo huh mm-hmm. and then on top of that the stuff that's happening here that's interesting is all like segmented out so that this can last seven parts yeah i don't think you're wrong i i think it just i think it just hit just sure. hit my sweet spot better. Sure. I will say I, I this you has not, to have that sweet spot hit. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I will say this isn't about this issue in specific necessarily, but I am loving Nubia in the Hippolyta role. Yes. I think that's a very, and there's a very deft bit of casting. Yeah. Yeah. She's really good in it. And the, the writing feels very true to, you know, not, th- I don't believe in like the idea of the Mary Sue or whatever, anyway, you know, like I, I don't, I don't go for that, but no can do this, this is, very <laughs> but this is very clearly not a case of that either. Like everything feels earned and her character feels as important as she is, you know? Yes. And I also feel like it's a character that, like Hippolyta, before Bendis brought Hippolyta into Justice League recently, it's been a couple of years since anything really happened with Hippolyta. And I don't mean that, I'm not saying we need to have like a Hippolyta story every six months or anything like that. 
But I think that if you're going to not be using Hippolyta in that way, then why not put a character that could use a little bit more of a spotlight, a character that adds to the diversity of Themyscira and the Amazons? Like, I think it just makes a lot of sense that unless you have a real Hippolyta story to tell, you might as well make Nubia the queen and might as well tell some interesting stories with that character. Mm-hmm. Well said. Anything else on this issue, boys? Mm, not for me. All right. So let's move on to our final issue of the week, which is uh, Superman, Son of Kal-El, number nine, written by Tom Taylor, illustrated by Bruno Redondo. This is a continuation of the story that started last month in Nightwing. And uh, I continue to absolutely love this. And I wish... And this is no disrespect to the book we're talking about next week. I wish there was a world's finest book with these two as the stars of it. Because I would I would just go apeshit over that because this is really, really good. And I, I love every bit about this. And I'll talk more about it later. But Zach, you start us talk by, off by talking about this. Um, <clears throat> so I guess I'll start by saying I did have to. I went back and read the Nightwing issue that I had missed um, okay. because I was off that week. And um, uh, yeah. Um, Taylor, this this is like a world's finest book, you know? Like, mm-hmm. it really is. And it's like such a... I, I know eventually we're going to get to talk about world's finest. Um, the real one. But like, I think this is a more interesting take and idea just in that, like, it is... we. I mean, John is a new character essentially like he's only been around he's been around less than a decade and like seeing him taking on this like mentor mentee role with with dick who is one of like the like one of our favorite characters one of like the most beloved dc characters i think it's just awesome it's like such a cool it's such a cool concept and there's like real there's like actual real character growth, I think, not just like the illusion of change that we always talk about. Like, I don't think that this is an illusion. I and I and I I say that like acknowledging that like all of this can be brushed away by like a continuity reset or 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 you know another writer coming in, but like this is like the closest I think to what I really wish that cape comics would do with like legacy and and like telling new and interesting stories with their characters i i just like love every bit of this there's like a fantastic bit at the end of this issue where um oh crap what is what is john's boyfriend's name i forget his name now yeah i forget the truth when the truth comes in (laughs) when the truth comes in When the truth comes in and he's like yelling and then Lois but like kicks down the door with that alien laser <laughs> <Yep>. gun. <laughs> Such good writing and the art R- Bruno Renato's art is in it, it, fantastic. Just great stuff. The, this issue is so fun. The interplay between John and Dick with them like baiting these hero killer guys. It's it's handled oh, and, and like I'm jumping all over the place, but Redondo doing more like David Aja stuff with the, with like Dick 
falling and doing the glider mm-hmm. that's all fun there this is just like a joy to read this is a top tier a class dc comic i think what i love about this issue comparing it to the last issue is in the last issue we got to see kind of uh john through the eyes of dick mm-hmm. you see dick tell the story about giving him the lollipop um you know when they first met and then in this issue we see dick through the eyes of john and what i like about that is there's something that's said in this issue that is never talked about in modern dc stuff and hasn't been for a long time and to me it's such an important part of the character which is that superman gave nightwing his name it's based off an old kryptonian like legend that he tells dick about and the dick clark relationship not dick clark the uh, american Vanessa host <laughs> but uh the, the dick grace and clark kent relationship to me has always been one of the low-key best bits of dc writing whenever it's brought up and it's not brought up all that often whenever it is it always feels very um very real and very lived in and this does a really good job of extending that feeling to john and uh to john and dick even though we've never seen them really together before these issues taylor writes the characters in such a way that all of this seems very believable no one is acting differently than they should like there are certain friendships or relationships in comics where you read it and you're like, I don't understand how this could fit into the world that I know. Like even to a certain degree, the Batman Superman friendship, if you've only read certain Batman comics, he has no friends, right? He's a, he's the ultimate loner. And so when you see him and Clark have this very close friendship, it can read as false if you haven't read a lot of those other stories. Nothing about John or Dick makes you think that this is false in any way. And to me, that sells this so, so well. In addition to Redondo's art just being absolutely gorgeous, in addition to there being a million really cool um, little touches like Dick approaching Lois to be the the sort of the voice of the truth. I think that's a really nice moment. Lois kicking the door down, which you guys mentioned before, which is a fantastic bit. Like all of this is just really really it feels it feels natural to the characters but it also feels new and exciting i love every bit of this tom taylor please write a second world's finest book with these two in it please vincey i just can't believe that dick is cucking his hero <laughs> you think dick's going to move on lois i hey he's <laughs> he's, he's 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 staying over <laughs> You didn't get that vibe? Oh, I got the vibe, but I mean, uh, <laughs> I just thought that Dick Grayson is the DC Universe's hall pass. Like, <laughs> everybody gets the fuck Dick, and everyone's cool with it because no one can deny how good looking Dick is. Yeah. yeah you're, probably, you're probably, yep. Yeah. Yep. You're, you're absolutely right. No, I, everything you guys said is so spot on with this. And um, the thing Zach said about, this really feels like the DCU now, like it's not a gimmick or it's not temporary um, really rings true. It's something that I've, I felt, but didn't know how to say. And Zach said it really, really beautifully. I think what it should prove is that there's a world where you can still be telling Bruce and 
Clark stories, but they don't have to be the only thing. They don't have to be the only, you know, I feel like for a while, as much as we, we like Dan DiDio and, and his reign in some ways, you know, there, there's, there's a lot of positives that came out of that. And we talk about them all the time. The, there was always the feeling where it was like, well, we can only have one. There can only be one Superman. There can only be right. one, you one know, flash. Yeah. Yeah. And this, this era really shows that like, not only can there be multiple characters filling that role, but they can literally just have that name. And for somebody who was interested in 5g, there's a, uh, a story they can cobble together from all of these legacy books where these characters did take over and they're the, they're the main squeeze now, or you can read about aging Superman's adventures off world, you know, and those books don't feel any less important than these ones, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't see, even if Superman comes back to earth at some point, which of course he will, I don't see why this sort of feeling needs to go away. You know, you can put, you can take characters off the shelf and put them back on the shelf here and there, but the feeling never has to go away. They don't have to do some seismic shift and say, uh, what was the Marvel, what was the Marvel event, the heroic age or something where all the, all the regular heroes came back. Mm-hmm. I forget. Was that, is that what it was called or what? there was, that was like the post siege. Yeah. Well, I think was the heroic. Yeah. Th- that's when Bendis launched uh, Avengers and new Avengers. No, that's wrong. He like relaunched. Them he relaunched again. them. Yes. Yeah. 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 That, that was like um, that uncanny the- Avengers too. No, that was Marvel now. Okay. Okay. <laughs> this was like the status quo that led up to Avengers versus X-Men. Yes. Okay. But then they also kind of did that again a few years later. Like the like oh it was like after the all new Marvel Now era where like everybody had been replaced. It, it was like when, when Jason Aaron came on Avengers and they brought back all the, the normies, you know? It's like it's like that too. They Marvel has done that a few times. Mm-hmm. Um um so I'm... yeah so i just wanted to say like like you you do not have to do these seismic shifts where like all of a sudden all the old heroes are back and they're taking the main spotlight again you know like it, it can be this living breathing thing that evolves and changes and brings characters in and out and i think you know there's something for everyone when you do that much like uh me getting myself extremely hot and bothered at the idea of Bendis uh, writing a Green Lantern book. All, all the things that you have said make me hope that Tom Taylor is going to be doing Justice League after Dark Crisis. And he like, what if what if the league is led by Tim, uh, by by John and Dick? Oh man, we talked oh, about that man. the show you weren't on, Zach. That exact really? idea, actually. Yes. Okay, and I, I think I think all three of us collectively with say that's the gabagool right that's that is that's the dream right that's the dream john and dick airy the airy and uh <laughs> what's 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 the aries wink wink, wink yeah, yeah. The airy the airy and wink 
Um, and then uh, Yara Floor. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. Yara Floor. Um, not not Jace Fox though, unfortunately, because because Dick, Dick is there. Because because Dick is there, and then. <clears throat> I don't know. I don't care who else. I mean, can, can I give you a real galaxy galaxy brand here idea here? Sure. Dick should be leading the new Justice Society because the Justice Society's whole thing is training the next generation of heroes. And okay, okay, Dick, then let then let Tom Taylor write Justice Society and it be it be John <laughs> and Dick. Yeah, because <laughs> but I was going to say like, you know, the Justice Society traditionally in the Golden Age had Batman and Superman in it, but they were never like the stars of it. But I feel like that would be an interesting way to maybe do something new with the Justice Society. Because Dick, to me, even though he was not trained by any of those people, like, to me, he fits more into that idea than he does the traditional Justice League idea. Sure. Yeah, I can I can get behind that. Let Tom Taylor write Justice Society. And there can be a, you know, a, a normal Big Seven Justice League book still that can be written by... Ooh, I, mm, I have no idea. Let Tom Taylor write both. Yep, there you go. Or let Mark Wade do it. I don't care. Yeah. Well, folks, that does it for uh, for this episode of the DC3 cast. Vincey, what's coming out next week? I got it right here. Um, Batman Superman World's Finest, number one. Batman the Night, number three. Blue and Gold, number seven. Catwoman, number 41. Uh, Tech 1057, Justice League 74, Nightwing 90, Robins number five, The Flash 780, Titans United number seven, Wonder Woman 785, Wonder Woman Evolution number five. Well, that that's a week of comics. And uh, we will talk about that next week. But until then, you can find two thirds of us on Twitter. I am a Brian needs an app. And I am at Walker Fox. If you need to find Vince, he is. Um, see, what's Vince doing this week? Vince, what are you doing this week? Probably playing Elden Ring. This, That's yeah, true. There you go. This playing it's, Elden it's, Ring. It's, a, it's on you to think of something funny. Okay, I'm not. I my know, brain. But... After I read those titles, my brain just <laughs> goes goes blank. How do you think I hear? How do you think I feel hearing those titles? I don't know. I you you say you usually follow up with something. Yeah, well, tonight somewhat it, witty. Tonight it, it lulled me into sleep somehow, but that's okay. Anyway, thanks for listening, folks. Uh, we'll be back next week. Enjoy. Why is Doctor Strange any different than Airbud? It is. It is. It is either better or worse than Airbud, and you need to tell me which. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I literally don't know. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>